Welcome to the Sword and the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jerry Longshore. I'm Tom Aspel. Thank you all for listening to us today. Hey, 41st episode, man. Congratulations. Goodness, that's a lot of episodes. We've been doing this the number of weeks more than the number of years you've been alive. That's true. That's just true. That's true. That's true. That was... <laughs> it's tough for me to stay to with you to there, you but I'm tracking with you. Give you perspective. Um, so, hey, we have a sale going on in the Founders Bookstore. Um, I believe it's most titles in there. Are, all, the, all the Founders all press, the founders titles, press yeah. titles are on sale because it's the week of the Southern Baptist Convention. And we're celebrating. So go to founders.org, click on the store, and check out all of the resources that are in there. That sale is going to go on till Saturday. So uh, purchase this week. If you're, you know, if you got friends, if you got a pastor, if you have friends, you know, buy them for them. <laughs> if you don't too. have friends, if you don't have friends, <laughs> buy them for yourself. Buy, buy them and make friends. There you go. Buy and make friends. Um, hey, here in the first segment, we want to talk about having kids. You've got kids. I do. You do. I do. You got kids. You have kids. I have six kids so far. So far, yeah. <laughs> I really think you and Don should go for a number seven. <laughs> yeah. Number seven. yeah, we have six kids. You know, I remember um, when uh, our kids were little and Donna would take them to the grocery store and people would say, are all these yours? And she said, no, I went through the neighborhood saying, hey, I'm going to the store. Any kids want to join me? <laughs> Who wants to come? <laughs> Who wants to come? You know, God has blessed uh, our church in many ways. And one of the ways in which he's done that is all these kids. So yeah. we have all these kids that you come got like Pied Piper after service to my office and your office. I have the starburst action going on for them. You got the uh, the dum-dums going on, which are always. We call them lollipops. 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 But they're particularly kind of lollipops. I know, but we don't, that sounds so harsh. And we got all these great. <laughs> come kids for your dum-dums. <laughs> come here. Come here. Um, yes, I have six kids. You have six kids. You got a whole bunch of grandkids. I got and nine grandkids with more on the way. You know, when I, I it struck me, I was reading Ross Douthat's book called nice 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 move there we'll move on quickly you know bad religion oh you know, bad religion is the book <laughs> um ross douth it's a new york times columnist he's a catholic guy and he's got this line there i can't remember exactly how it went something about if you enter into some of these you know calvinistic households these days you would think that the god is bringing revival to our land which i just got a kick out of because <laughs> kind of through my seminary studies and some of the guys i know there are a lot of guys that are calvinist that are getting serious about the work of uh, catechesis and getting mm -hmm. serious about raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, beginning to think about their kids as being employed in this world that is, you know, in our, in America, it's getting tougher and they're thinking, okay, I'm really going to send them out. And that's uh, consistent with what we see in scripture. Psalm 127 um, says, behold, children are a heritage from mm -hmm. the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. So yeah. what does an arrow do? And it goes out there and it does damage and in the world. If it does damage itself often is damaged. Oh man. Tell us about that. It's shattered. Yeah. So, you know, the thought of uh, our children being launched. We all talk about when we give our kids a good start, but mm -hmm. typically whenever that conversation takes place, we're thinking financially, educationally, all that stuff. And we ought to be thinking far more seriously than that. We mm -hmm. need to be thinking about grounding them in the word, doing what yeah. we can to disciple them so that they can go out into this godless world that desperately needs Jesus Christ and take stands for Christ and make disciples for Christ, knowing yeah. that it's going to be costly. Yeah. And that if they 
uh, do what they ought to do, it very well may mean that they get shattered in the process. Right. And, and this, this world, I think this is so fascinating worldview stuff here. Again, I, I heard a recent stat that was showing how the birth rate in America is plummeting. Yeah. Time magazine, not too long ago, had a little couple on the beach and it said, you know, um, uh, the child free life when having it all means not having children. Yeah. And uh, I've said recently, Hey, if all the people that are selfish, you know, and don't love the Lord Jesus don't have children and all the people that love the Lord Jesus raise their kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, let's go for it. We'll see some good things happen by God's <laughs> yeah. grace. Um, right. But I, I do think it's a worldview kind of thing. It seems to me, if you understand the arc of scripture and you go, boy, okay, Jesus Christ is king. This is his world. And we are raising up these children knowing they're going to die from the beginning, kissing the sweet little chubby cheeks of this baby. I'm thinking it's going to turn into dust. Mm. He's going to turn into dust. And I don't know when, and may the Lord let me die first, but we, we don't know these things, but we say, okay, but whatever it may come, may this child glorify the Lord. And I know mm. it's entirely by your grace, God, but I'm going to, there's so much sacrifice involved in that. I'm not surprised that in a nation where people are really all about themselves and selfie was the word of the year, not too long ago, that you don't have children because it right. is, it's physically yeah, uh, it's demanding. challenging, financially challenging. Your whole world begins to function in a different way, a lovely way, like a rejoicing, oh, yeah. joyful way. But it's this kind of, you know, losing your life that you might have it. But then sending these kids out, you know, there's a there's an author that I like. We read to our kids named N.D. Wilson, and he he's written a number of books, um, children's books. And he gets this theme, which is it's, it, you know, it, C.S. Lewis, brilliant, you know, my goodness. So read C.S. Lewis and read N.D. These are kind of go-tos for us. N.D. emphasizes there's always there's always some need for courage with these little kids in his stories, and and someone's always dying. Like he's got a story about this guy Sam Miracle Outlaws of Time series. It's great, and Sam's like dying all the time. He's dying, and he gets moved around in time, and he's alive again. He's fighting bad guys. He's dying again. I'm like, man, this kid is having to just he's 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 laboring right. Mm-hmm. And Indy's got this great uh, quote I want to read to you. He says, the world is rated R and no one is checking IDs. Do not try to make it G by imagining the shadows away. Do not try to hide your children from the world forever, but do not try to pretend there is no danger. Train them, give them sharp eyes and bellies full of laughter. Make them dangerous, make them yeast. And when they're, when they've grown, they will pollute the shadows. Yeah. That's great, I mean, isn't it? Come on now. It's just this joyful, yes, there are monsters in the closet, but but you're not afraid of them. You don't have to be afraid of them. They're Jesus' monsters. We talk about the way uh, Peter, I think it's Peter, talks about this. I pray this for my girls all the time. Uh, May they be like the holy women of old who hoped in God and did not fear what was frightening. Right. It's really right. frightening. You look at it, and we're not going to be afraid of it for Christ. So there seems to be a recovery of that. And yeah. You've got some experience in doing that. Your six children love the Lord yeah. and they're raising their children to love the Lord. Um, yeah, how did you do it? <laughs> well, it's amazing to me. I mean, Don and I regularly just remind ourselves of how incredibly kind and gracious God has been to us. So mm-hmm. it's, it's grace. It is mercy. Praise goes to him. And uh, we look back and we'll sometimes laugh on some of the peculiarly difficult times. And we've had some of these conversations with our adult children. It's been fun as well because we we had some really tough roads with uh, some of our kids and some particularly tough seasons with our children. And, of course, we're fallible, so we made thousands of mistakes and uh, our children learned how to forgive uh, Mm -hmm. because of our 
uh, sin and not doing everything that we should have done the ways we should have done it. So you, you've said sorry to your children. Yeah, it's funny. We did a, when, uh, John Piper's son wrote a book, uh, the preacher's kid years ago, Mm -hmm. I bought copies for all my children who were adults, except Hannah. I think that time was still maybe 15, 16 years old and, uh, gave it to them. I said, Hey, let's read this together. Some of them were married. And so, uh, we'd get together with spouses and, uh, once a month on Monday nights, we cook dinner for them. And we talk about the book and so many things came out of that book. I mean, our, our adult kids are telling us things that happened. We had no idea about a lot of weeping and a lot of forgiveness and repenting during that time. But in the midst of that, I think it was, there was something that Don and I were asked to do by some other uh, group uh, about maybe things you did right or something like that. So we were asking our children, okay, you know, uh, what, what things were helpful to you in how we raise you? What are, what's one thing that you can remember? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, man, these kids have sat through th- thousands of my sermons, thousands of my Bible studies, thousands of family devotions. You know, I mean, there's going to be one that's just going to really rise to the top here. And uh, every one of them, none of them said anything about sermons. You know, every one of them said it was when you and mom repented to us. Mm. when you repented to us, that mm. that made the biggest impression. And it was just, we wouldn't have imagined that. We wouldn't have thought that, but that's really your only choice as parents is you, you got two choices, <laughs> you know, either be perfect or learn how to repent. <laughs> you know, that's it. And so that's we right. obviously had to learn how to repent because we're not perfect. Yeah. But I can tell you this too, man, this stage of life, we got nine grandkids, six and under. And as mm. I said, more on the way uh, by God's grace. And it is a blast. Mm-hmm. It's a blast watching our children raise our grandchildren. Uh, it's incredible to listen to them recite catechism questions and answers, Bible verses, watching them sing songs, hearing them recite the Apostles' Creed. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, it fuels my jets to pray for my grandkids and mm-hmm. to pray for this rising generation, your children, you know, other children in our church. I regularly pray for our young people and our children in the church because they are coming up in a world that is going to need this kind of joyful, right. uh, steel in the backbone kind of uh, Christian who is devoted to the word of God. Yeah. We, we aim to raise them to be happy warriors. Yeah. You know, there, this just, there needs to be, um, we need to see um, joy. They need to be jovial yeah. and they need to be full of courage for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so praying that God would do this and working diligently, uh, teaching them about the ways of the world and helping them to see that the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply the ways of the transgressor <laughs> is hard. And from their tiniest years, you know, telling them you can trust the Lord and then helping them see ways that they're trusting the Lord, ways that they're yeah. loving the Lord, even uh, when they are young, you know, one of the, you mentioned about death. Uh, one of the books that I read to our kids, uh, early on <laughs> finally wore, wore them out was, uh, John Angle James has this book called tokens for children. It is stories of children who die. And so we just, every time we read all the kids are crying, Donna's crying. You know, and finally Donna said, can we lay off of John Angle James for just a while? <laughs> Just switch over to something for just a moment. You know, and when we talk about the topic of children, my uh, heart immediately is sensitive to those who perhaps have wanted children and God hasn't given them children or wanted more children and God hasn't given them more children. Hadn't been able to be um, married. Who have lost children, right? Who are single and say, I want to get married, I want to have kids, but God has um, worked so that they are still single or have lost children in death or have wayward children. And I, I believe that that in all of those cases, you know, Hannah says in first Samuel, um, that the barren has born seven. Yeah. And I think there's a promise there 
um, like in, in Christ use the same. You haven't left, you haven't left house and home who won't be given more in this generation and in the one to come. Right. And, and there are promises there, meaning, you know, I, I really believe no Christian woman stays barren forever. Meaning yeah. she has children, yeah. the essence, she has the essence and she's raising them, whether she's single, hasn't been married, whether she wants them and can't have them or lost them, whatever it may be. You are a mother in Israel and you are nurturing and you, the, and the fathers, if you don't have children, you are, you are shooting off these arrows as well in the family of God and the body yep, of Christ. That's and right. It's glorious. It's beautiful. And, and you have people that sorrow your, your brothers and sisters in Christ sorrow with you as you sorrow yeah. and rejoice with you as you rejoice and know that you're firing off these arrows too and yeah, they're hitting the target. We've seen that, you know, here in our own church. I mean, I mean some of the godliest women that we have that have influenced my children and generations of children that have grown up at Grace yeah. have been ladies that had no children of their own. And I look at my oldest daughter now, Sarah, mm-hmm. who's not married, who loves children and she teaches children and she has children all over the world who love her and uh, depend upon her, call her, seek her counsel. And so, yeah, that would be true of her as well. Amen. So, hey, given what's going on in the world, given some trends we see in the church, this is a time to rejoice. This is a time to ask God to bless us with children, raise up these children to be full of joy and to fight the battles of the Lord. And let's let's, uh, lay hold of God's promises by faith, expecting to see uh, great things happen. When we come back, we are going to talk about a book that both you and I love, The Valley of Vision by these Puritans. See you in a moment. Founders Ministries has been able to do what we've been doing for 35 years because people have joined with us and become part of our family. Today, I'm inviting you to become a part of the Founders Fam as well. Become a Founders Alliance member. You can do this at different levels as you contribute to the work that Founders is engaged in. By going to founders.org, you can see that you can give at the trowel level, you can give at the shield level, or you can give at the sword level. And if you give at any level, we're going to send you a Founders package of materials. We have other exclusive material that we would make available to you as well as you contribute to help us build this ministry for the glory of God. Welcome back to The Sword and the Trial. Here in segment two of our podcast, we'd like to talk about a book that we enjoy. And today we're going to be talking about The Valley of Vision. What do you love about it, Tom? Oh, it's Puritan Prayers. It's a great book. Uh, Arthur Bennett collected these prayers from uh, different Puritan writings in 1975, published it in a paperback edition by Banner. It became so popular that they put it out again in this uh, leather edition. And I love, I got so many of these things marked, man, that have served me well. Uh, We've used this in some of our times of worship as well, Mm -hmm. reading these prayers, but just for my own private devotion, uh, I've been helped to give expression of what's in my heart and mind by using these prayers. So I love them. Was it the, was it Bunyan or was it just a Puritan phrase that uh, they said they would go and pray until you pray? Yeah. Pray until you pray. I don't, I think Bunyan might've said that. Yeah, that's true. And of course, it, this comes from Isaiah 22, 1, you know, the Valley of Vision, which is a, a place of God's making himself known mm-hmm. to his people. So I have some favorites. You might have some favorites as well. Yeah, right? I'll give you my favorite. My yeah. favorite, uh, or one of my favorites, is this kind of the, the the prayer that is at the outset of the book called the Valley of Vision. Um, I won't read the whole thing, but you get a flavor in the beginning. It says, Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly. 
thou hast brought me to the valley of vision mm. where I live in the depths, but see thee in the heights hemmed in by mountains of sin. I behold thy glory. And he talks about the paradox of the way down is the way up to be low is to be high. And that is just an amazing, you know, it's, you see it in the sermon on the Mount right. and he's expositing this, this whole, um, Christian worldview that seems to be so foundational to living well in this world that very often it looks like you're on the way down, but even as you are, you're on the way up. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, it's filled with, uh, prayers like that. It's, it's divided into sections. I should probably read to you a few of those, like the father, son, the Holy spirits, one section, redemption, reconciliation, penitence, deprecation. So from the, uh, redemption. Here's one called the precious blood. It says, blessed Lord Jesus, before thy cross, I kneel and see the heinousness of my sin, my iniquity that caused thee to be made a curse, the evil that excites the severity of divine wrath. Show me the enormity of my guilt by the crown, thy crown of thorns, the pierced hands and feet and the bruised body, the dying cries. Thy blood is the blood of incarnate God. Mm. It's worth infinite. It's value beyond all thought. Infinite must be the evil and guilt that demands such a price. Mm. When you just think of the the profound theology that undergirds that mm-hmm. uh, wonderful artistic expression. Mm-hmm. So I love it. We use, again, I use this regularly in my own uh, private devotions. There's a uh, confessions are in here as well, an acknowledgement of wickedness of sin. So you can get this from Banner of Truth. It's a great book. Yeah, you know, there's people that... that um try to say the Puritans were, you know, killjoys <laughs> and that even that part you read, you know, I can hear people saying, Oh boy, you know, they just really loved a glory in their sin and glory in their shame and all well, that let kind me of read stuff. The rest of I, it. Yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> I, you know, I think it's a, I mean, it's just such a bad representation and understanding of the way that they thought they, they knew that Jesus shed his blood for them. And yeah. we come to, we come to God as father who loves us with, with, um, a never ending infinite love. And because of that, we can, we, we can see the heinousness of our sin yeah. and, and know that, that we're not condemned by it, but we see it in the right way in yeah. the light of God's mercy, kindness, grace. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the, the joy of the gospel is it sets us free to be honest. Mm-hmm. We don't have to pretend mm-hmm. like our sin is less than it is because however deep our sin is, grace is greater than our sin. Mm-hmm. All right, let me read one more just to kind of get that right. uh, bad Knock flavor that out of in his mouth. This is grace acted. It says, Lord Jesus, great high priest, thou hast opened a new and living way by which a fallen creature can approach thee with acceptance. Help me to contemplate the dignity of thy person, the per- perfectness of thy sacrifice, the effectiveness of thy intercession. Oh, what blessedness accompanies de- devotion when under all the trials that weary me, the cares that corrode me, the fears that disturb me, the infirmities that oppress me, I can come to thee in my need and feel peace beyond understanding. Mm, preach now. Yeah, you know, it just goes on. It, he says, uh, every new duty calls for more grace than I now possess, but not more than is found in thee, mm. the divine treasury in whom all fullness dwells. Come on now. If you don't have the valley of vision, you got to go get the Valley of Vision. And go, you know, I'd say go ahead and go big and get you that nice leather copy you've got. The green one's nice, but grab you that black leather copy. You'll you'll appreciate it down the road. It'll hold up better. When we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, the commands of Scripture as we do in our third segment. We're going to be considering what it means not to be anxious. Uh Uh-oh, I'm worried. (laughs) You crazy. 
Welcome back to the Sword and the Trial. I'm here with Jared Longshore, and we are going to talk about a particular command from the New Testament to be not anxious or be, not. be anxious for nothing. So, in other words, don't worry. Here we are, Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Jesus says the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount when he tells us not to be anxious about our lives, what we will eat or drink or body, what we put on, because life is more than these things. So the command is, don't worry. I'm not going to say be happy, but be satisfied in Christ. Yeah, you know, there's a there is a there are plenty of reasons to be anxious if we're not thinking biblically. It's a scary world. It's a it's a scary world. Yeah, and um. We're, we kind of, one of the ways people try not to be anxious is to create a little imaginary bubble, you know, <laughs> a little, uh, a little safe area, you know, and say, okay, yeah, there's really nothing bad out there. No, yeah. man, there, if you're not, um, if you're not remembering that the Lord is at hand, which is what the apostle Paul says sure. right before in Philippians four, six, he actually says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about right. anything. Um, so there used to be some folks that, that visited our church uh, from another uh, denomination and, and uh, they were Dutch people. I'm not picking on all Dutch people, but there were about four or five of them that every time I'd say, hey, how are you doing? He said, well, fine, I hope. You know, I don't, I don't know. I could have a cancer growing in my brain right now. And I don't know. You know, I could be <laughs> having some serious blood disease will kill me tomorrow. But hopefully I'm fine. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> and uh, I think this command of be not anxious for anything would be mm-hmm. helpful for that kind of mentality. Yeah. You know, I, I've used this a few different times in like preaching and teaching, but when you, when you have somebody who's anxious, right, they're just scared out of their mind and you come to them, you're like, Hey, stop being anxious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it usually happens. Okay, just, now I've got to be more you, anxious. <laughs> you manifest more anxiety, you know, which I'm interested about that. Just in the way that the, the commands relate to faith, right? So yeah. when we're, when, we're, so if you are being anxious, you're, you're falling into sin. So that's, you do yeah. need to know that you're falling into sin. You're doing something God said not to do. Right. And very often with something about the nature of anxiety, um, just really, you know, Oh goodness. Sometimes people go, Oh, I'm not doing that one either. And you need to be reminded of God's promises and see that, you know, it's going to be, so your anxiety is rooted in unbelief. Yeah. It's rooted in unbelief. And I don't think people always make that connection. So they think, okay, I'm anxious. I know I need to get it together. And, you know, and, and then that makes you more anxious because you're trying to get it together. When what you need to do is say, look, uh, okay, I realize it. I'm just doubting God. That's, so what, that's what, what really are you doing. not believing whenever you're giving in to anxiety? You're not believing that God is uh, the good and sovereign creator and providential sustainer of this world and your life and every yeah. single particle of dust that you've ever seen or has existed in this world. He's good. He's wise and he's sovereign. And those three combined together are the foundation for us not to have an anxious moment in this world. And yet, because of unbelief, because of sin, we do. We fall into anxiety. Yeah. What a kindness from him to, you know, I've gone through that. I experience that all the time of these moments where I've got anxiety. And then all of a sudden it's like, boy, when he turns the lights on, you're like, oh, that was so silly. Yeah. Like that was really so silly. And circumstances might not have changed. Um but the truth of God is now um, by the Spirit working in my mind and heart, where I'm realizing, oh, okay, I'm yeah. not anxious. And and it is the truth, God, God's word, and that's where we have to live. And I think the uh, Mont Blanc 
truth is what he's done for us in Christ. Mm -hmm. Because the gospel, what God has done for us in Christ, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus proves God's sovereignty. It proves his goodness and love. It proves his wisdom. And so when it looks like everything against is against us providentially, you know, behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Mm -hmm. And we know he's for us because he's given up his son for us. And so yeah. even when it looks like God doesn't care, it looks like God's far away, the cross stands to dispel all of those doubts. And if we lay hold of it by faith, to dispel right. all of those anxious thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and think of Christ. You turn my mind to Christ here on... Um, Knowing that he did, he he was never anxious. Yeah. We can learn a lot. We can learn something about anxiety by thinking about him in the garden, mm. right? Because what is he doing there? Yeah. Well, he's troubled in spirit, and he's he's praying to God, even that God would take this cup from him. But whatever Christ is experiencing there in the garden is not anxiety, not and that can be helpful because there's times where we are troubled and where we are praying, even to the point sweating drops of blood. And you know, it'd be wrong to come into a person. Don't be anxious. Yeah, oh, I might yeah. not be uh, being anxious. You yeah. know, so there's something instructive about thinking of Christ, who is the fulfillment of the law. Um, that there will be times in life where we're we're laboring and working and um, grieving and those kind of things. Yeah, but some it doesn't things mean are heavy, and they yeah. ought to be treated as heavy things. They shouldn't be lightly dismissed. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you again for listening to the sword and the trowel. Um, Remember, we do have that sale going on in the bookstore. All week long. Founders.org. Go on there. Check out those things and hey, join us back. Join the, fa the family. You know, Become a part of the Founders Alliance uh, membership. We would love to have you. We would love that. Us. And if you're a church, um, we'd love for you to sign up on our church search so people can know where you're at. Yeah. And you can join us as a Founders Alliance church as well. All the information for that is on Founders.org. Help us fight.